Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to you that are live with us on Facebook. Um, you can do a watch party if you want, and we'll have a party. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. On Facebook, you can do, if you're watching something live, you can do a watch party and invite people to come and watch it. So if you're ever away and you're like, hey, somebody needs to hear this, you can add that in. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements here. Um, the Men's Wild Game feed is Saturday. The sign-up sheet is still out there. You're welcome to sign up for that. Um, you don't have to bring something to share um, if you don't want to. That's fine. Um, and if you just want to come and participate, that'll be at 6 p.m. Saturday night, this Saturday. Um, so we're looking forward to that. looks like we've got a pretty, pretty good crew signed up. So um, Also, if you do have uh, pictures or anything like that that you want to, as far as your wild game, you can email them to Rick. And is your email on that sign-up sheet? I don't know if it is or not. Heidi probably put it on there. But if not, you can, yeah, just see Rick after. Um, and then also, um, well, I, actually, I think that's about it. Um, as far as announcements go, let's do this. Let's go ahead and, and pray, and then we'll uh, get right into this tonight and continue in our series here on authority. Father, we just thank you for your goodness Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Father, you, we know that uh, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Lord, I'm grateful and thankful and humbled that you called me. Lord, that you've empowered me to uh, and given me ability to speak. So I just yield that gift to you because it all came from you in the first place. So Father, I just ask you to think through my mind, speak through my lips. Lord, that we would have ears that hear, eyes that see and hearts that understand. We're believing for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in strong manifestation among us. Father, that we may walk in your truth and be salt and light and be a witness for the kingdom, destroying the enemy where we go, uh, according to your word and by your spirit and for your glory. So teach us tonight, I pray, I ask, and I believe you for it together with this group. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to Luke 10. And I'm going to just start in our kind of our main scripture, then review just a couple of points that we have been looking at. And uh, we took two weeks off, so sometimes you got to, you know, knock the cobwebs out. <laughs> just review a little bit just to get find the, find the track again. Um, Luke uh, chapter 10, and then verse number tw uh, 17. It says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, I want to point something out here just that I, I had seen before because there's the, uh, just a hit on that argument. Again, people say, you know, once the 12 apostles died, the miracles died. But notice this is the 70, not the 12 so that are functioning in authority. So that's something to think about as you're, as you're dealing with different situations. And realize this, too. Not everybody that believes that God ceased doing things when the apostles died, believes that because of a strong conviction about it. They've just been told that. And they were probably told by their preacher, and so if the preacher said it, it must be true. Does that make sense? So you can take people back to the Scripture and show them. Just show them where the words... That, that's what you're believing anyway, is the Scripture. You're not believing your favorite preacher. <laughs> Amen? Uh, uh, every minister of the gospel is fallible. Everyone. 
Every single one. And every one of you are too. <laughs> We've got to make it fair, right? <laughs> but everyone is. I, I make mistakes. You know, how many know you can have, uh, you can have Moses in the ark? Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can have Noah in the whale. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... Jonah could have been running from Jezebel. I mean, you could, you could have it all messed up, but your heart can be right, amen? But we just make mistakes, so you just got to be aware of that. And, uh, and, and if, if a preacher makes a mistake, you know, just say, oh, we know what you mean, <laughs> you know, and, and go on. So, um, so but anyway, this, the 70 come back, and they, they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they were surprised by that. And this is a revelation to us about the authority in the name of Jesus. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. This is something that I want to point out here as well is, and something to think about along with this scripture is that this is before the new covenant has been established, okay? When Jesus was walking the earth, how many know there was nobody born again yet, okay? Because he had to die and be raised from the dead. So this is before he was raised from the dead. This is before he had fully, you know, really made a show of the enemy, now, the, 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 he did that for us. He didn't need to do it for him. You realize that, of course. Jesus didn't need to die for himself. You know, if, if your understanding of the Lord has been kind of skewed as far as Jesus is concerned, where you think in terms of, your mind kind of goes to, yeah, that's the Son of God, and he's proving that he's the Son of God. I'm not against the, the, the idea that Jesus was demonstrating who he was. As far as declaring, I am the son of God. He didn't need to prove that he was the son of God. Now, he may have needed to, and he did, need to show who he was for our sake. Okay? So that we could look at it and see this is legitimate. For one, he's fulfilling prophecies that have been around for hundreds of years. The other is he is demonstrating really... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and I, I believe I could qualify it, but I'm not going to teach on it. He's demonstrating what Adam should have done in the first place. Okay? That makes sense? That's what he's doing. And he's saying, look, this is how we're supposed to live as children of God. This is what, what God-born people live like. Okay? So, um, because every one of us has the opportunity to yield to the Lord or not. We all get that opportunity. Um, as much as things have changed in the earth, okay, they really haven't a lot. The same deceptions are running, okay? The technologies have changed. You know, we've discovered more and more things that God has put in the earth and developed things through revelation. Um, but really, in all actuality, every morning we wake up, we can yield to the Lord or we can yield to our flesh and the enemy. And so can the world. Now, they can't yield to the Lord like we do in the sense of authority that we have, but they could yield and get born again. In other words, they have a choice just like Adam and Eve did. Choice has not ended. Free will has not ended. It's still happening. Amen? 
Okay, so what we looked at so far is, we talked about this, the benefit of praying or reading through the first three chapters of Ephesians uh, repeatedly through this series. Um, we talked about the benefits of, a, of praying Ephesians 1, 17 through 23, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. How many have done that? It's just a good idea. Just don't, don't quit on it. Let the Lord keep, keep working. You know, even if you don't, we do every Tuesday almost <laughs> in corporate prayer. So we're praying and believing and getting understanding and, and more revelation because it's the truth that sets men free. Um, we, we talked about what our authority is. We talked about the definition of authority. Authority is the power, is the power of one whose will and commands must be obeyed by others. Simply, authority is delegated power. Now, what it is, is it's a position. We talked about a police officer. A police officer is not going to outmuscle a car if it stands, if he stands in front of it or she stands in front of it. But the badge that they have says to the person in the vehicle, if you, if you run this, if you violate this law, that person is not just behind that badge. The, the, the law, the government, the weight and the power of the government is behind the badge. Does that make sense? And so what is the person? The person's not looking at that police officer going, you know, I don't think our car can run him over. <laughs> I don't think we could just, they're looking at him going, realizing who's, behind them so the enemy when he looks at you if you he knows if you understand your authority okay and and he knows whether you know your authority he when you use the name of jesus when he hears that he doesn't think of you you're not that intimidating i'm not that intimidating to the enemy okay the enemy's been around a lot longer than we have okay he's he's deceived greater minds than ours Okay, so that's not what he's, what he's concerned about is the one who whooped him 2,000 years ago. That's the one he's concerned about. And he knows, he recognizes, oh, look, at, they know a little bit about their, uh, uh, their relationship with the Lord. They know a little bit about their position with the Lord. And out of that, if they function in that, I know if they use that, if I come against them, and he's still dumb enough to do it, but we need to be smart enough to retaliate with the word and the authority that we have. Amen? According to the will of God. So the value of our authority rests on the power that is behind that authority. God himself is behind our authority. The devil and his forces are obliged to recognize our authority in Christ. The believer who thoroughly understands that power of God, that the power of God is backing him, can exercise his authority and face the enemy fearlessly. Are we supposed to be fearless? Are we supposed to be feelingless? No. Fearlessness is a decision of your will. Because faith uses your will. Uh, so, in other words, desire or will, you can choose to believe what the Lord said, and eventually your feelings will catch up. Amen? They will. They'll catch up. Um, because you can live a certain way and live with a certain discipline. People do this in the natural. They don't, they don't, but we're doing it in the supernatural with the power of God. So we can do it at a whole nother level. And so we can choose not to be afraid. In fact, say it with me. I do not have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit, a power, love, and a sound mind. 
Now, that, if you read that in Amplified, it says a calm, well-balanced, self-disciplined mind. <laughs> right? I have a well-balanced mind. People, you know, people say, well, I, I just don't have that. I just don't have that. I understand. I'm not telling you to, 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 um, to uh, deny what's there in the sense of, you know, I, it's like somebody saying, uh, uh, I, there's no fear. There's no fear. There's no fear. Fear doesn't exist. Fear doesn't exist. That's not faith. What you're doing is you're transforming the way you think. You're not declaring something. You speaking God's word is not declaring a lie. Let me help you with this. Is it possible that your feelings are lying? Okay. So when you're declaring, I know people struggle with this because, um, because good people, honest people are like, well, I, I mean, that's not what it is. So you're saying that what Jesus said about you is not what it is. Do you have to do it like that, preacher? Well, that's how it happens to me. <laughs> There's just no other way. Because, see, we're in this place of, con- of tension here on the earth. Always. We're always going to be... In- you're always going to have an enemy that you have to deal with. People say, well, I just pray the Lord will make the devil go away. He's not going to. He's already stripped him of all power. You make him go away. Come on. Submit to the Lord. Resist the devil. And he will flee from God when God gets tired of him. That's not what the scripture says, is it? It says he'll flee from who? Yeah, so you need to remind him. You're going to be fleeing shortly, devil. People say, well, I don't know if I want to do that. That's because you're not quite sure who backs you. If you understood who backed you, you wouldn't be afraid to say it. Amen? Okay? And so everybody's at different levels of this, but don't stop. I mean, my goodness, if I would have stopped 20 years ago, I mean, I I probably would be back where I was before I was saved. I am not, you are not where you're at today, and I'm not where I'm at today because we gave up. Does that make sense? We're still believe we're still Christians because we didn't quit. We didn't go, oh, maybe, you know, maybe the world was better. After all. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I, I do this every once in a while. The enemy will try and entice me with something or, or bring up an old past thing or I'll see somebody from my past. And I think to myself, there's no way I'm going back to that. No way. Yeah, but they, they, you could have those friends. I don't want those friends back. With friends like that, who needs enemies? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I don't want to. So I've maintained that. Well, am I going to heaven when I die? Yeah, absolutely. Why? Because Christ is my Savior. But I want to live out of this more, not just to heaven when I die. I want to live out of the, as much of this as I can. And, and, and guess what? This is the truth. The Lord has an answer for every debacle we face. Now, here's the thing about it. We can walk. We can do as Paul did. We can, we can press toward that mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And how many know there still might be things we leave on the table when we leave the body that are in this book? You say the table. Yeah, he prepares a table. So the Lord is this way. He's a cup running over. Right? He doesn't just... We looked at it uh, last Sunday. 
the prophet says to David when he's rebuking him, if this had not been enough, I would have done much more. I would have given you much more. So in other words, God stacks the table so full that there's no way you're spending it all as far as his promises are concerned. So what, what so you say, what's your goal then, Sean? To, to, to be as wholehearted and do as much as I can for the Lord and do it wholeheartedly. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm going to do it with all my heart. My heart's, how many thankful God looks at our heart and not our actions, okay? Not just our actions. Because you can, you can do something with a right heart and it can come across messed up in your actions. But your heart was right. And you can move forward and keep growing and keep growing. The goal is to express better, to be better salt, to be better light in expression of what's already inside of us. But I'm not going to roll over on a promise. I would rather, I would rather, uh, Brother Hagin used to say this to us. He used to say, if you hear that I died from some disease or something like that, you're never going to hear me say that the Lord did it. But you will hear me say that I missed it. Isn't that interesting? He said, I would rather have the, leave the, the true impression of the Lord to you than uh, uh, just decide in that moment, God didn't do what he was, said he was going to do. But you know the majority of people live in the place of God didn't do what he said he was going to do? Do you know the majority of people, humanity, just in general, I'm talking about the majority of Christians, they think God isn't doing what he's supposed to do? I, to me, and we have to go back to this because it's the nature of the flesh, character flaws are not in God. They're in us. We're the ones with flesh. We're the ones that look through a glass darkly. We're the ones that are down here that have flesh that needs to be uh, reborn. <laughs> I'm talking about flesh. I'm not talking about your spirit. We're the ones that are commanded to tr- transform our thinking. You realize what you're doing or what I'm doing if I accuse God of not doing what he said he would do? Now I have become his judge. That's dangerous, isn't it? Now God's not in heaven going you know, angry and, you know, he's not, that's not what's happening. He realizes, though, it's compassion on the other side. He realizes that if he allows a person to stay in that belief system, the enemy will be able to work in their life. So the, it, God doesn't correct us out of, I just can't stand those people anymore. <laughs> They're just, just, I just can't stand those Christians they haven't done what they were supposed to do in 2,000 years. <laughs> you know, what he's doing is he's working with the church and working with the body of Christ to try and get them to where he, he created them to be already and function out of that. And so when we understand that, I desire more than anything to get to the end of it and have him say, well done, Sean. And that won't be based on all my actions. It'll be based on my heart toward him being what? Faith. Now, that will affect my actions. Absolutely, it will. But it'll be my righteousness is based on what he did for me. And then my works of faith are out of the grace that he supplied for me. This is why we, we, I'm fully convinced. I've had people say to me, you know, they'll say different things about the church or different things about successes and things. I say, yeah, pray, praise God, you know. Praise God. God's, God's doing some great things. And they say, well, you, you're involved. 
yeah, but I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the Lord. Now, do I have to choose to cooperate with him? Sure. I'm not just trying to be humble. John the Baptist said, a man can receive as much as he wants. A man can receive nothing unless it what? Be given him from where? Heaven. Okay? So, my, yours, mine, we just want to go, Lord, everything you got, and we're going to give it our all, and then one day the flesh will fall off and we'll go to heaven. It'd be great. <laughs> Amen? So, we talked about the fact that we are seated with Christ, and then we talked about the source of our authority and what our authority is, and we talked about Christ's resurrection. And Christ's resurrection is the source of our authority. And then we talked about we are the body of Christ. And those uh, messages are all available online if you want to go back and look at them. But I want to talk about this just briefly here, the source of our authority. In a commentary that I read, there are four Greek words used in the verse on the Lord's authority where it talked about he raised him from the dead. Where it talks about what is the exceeding greatness of his power. We looked at that. There are four Greek words used. It says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power, which is the word dunamis, toward us who believe, according to the working, which is energeia, of his mighty, kratos, power, iscus. So there are four Greek words used there. What does this verse mean? There was a day when all God's ruling power, all of God's endowed power, and all of God's inherent power were put into, fo- into, into the form of energy. That was the day Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. More power was displayed that one day than, have ever, than had ever been displayed before. So when Christ was raised from the dead, it took four Greek words to do it. Okay, it took it took all that power together. So Brother Hagen put it this way. In other words, there was such an overwhelming display of God's power in raising Jesus from the dead that this actually was the mightiest work of God ever recorded. Isn't that amazing? Think about the universe. I've been watching documentaries on, uh, you know, the different satellites we've sent out to all the planets, which I think are I mean, the guys, these people that are watching, I think are obviously mostly evolutionists, you know. I think it's kind of funny, too. They get out there and they're like, this planet is totally uninhabitable. But we could put balloons around it and live in the sky around it. Why? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's cool that we go out there. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's fun to see what God did and in, in the sense of what's out there available and how sin has affected it really is what it boils down to. But, but why would you want to go? Why don't we just live around this one if we make a mess of it? Why, why go out to a planet where we've never lived on it? We know the atmosphere is pretty much lava and live on the outside of it in the air. I mean, you know, let the elevator go all the way up, you know? I mean, if we're going to mess this thing up as far as our planet down here, why not just make the, the city airborne around Earth? We're the right distance from the sun. I mean, I think about this. I think, why do you want to go out there when you're right here and everything's right where it's supposed to be? You know what I mean? Anyway, I just find that amusing. Because, you know, I don't have a Ph.D., 
But logic seems to out override some of these things. So it's amazing to me. But anyway, it's interesting to see the different things, though. But even in all of that, the greatest act of God as far as power was raising Christ from the dead. Why? Because he raised all of us with, with him. And every other believer, come on, really, I'll just say it to you like this. Every human. You say every human was raised? Yes, Every single sin was paid for. The full resurrection was completed at that moment. And you say, but people go to hell. Yeah, because it's up to them. Amen? So, he, every part was done. And, and that's just a powerful truth that we need to meditate on. We need to realize that. Because when you realize that, then when the enemy comes to your house, you can go, nope. Remember the resurrection, devil. Now, you don't even have to cry or shake your hand or, or, or yell or any of that stuff. You can just go, the scripture says. And then don't stop. Sometimes people think, well, I rebuked the devil once, but he didn't go away. Well, we'll get into that. Standing your ground, okay? He didn't go away. Oh, no. You know, Sometimes I think because because people have ha, have been taught wrong about who the devil is, they they are afraid of him. He remember in Revelation, it talks about this at the end of this deal. We're going to look at him and go. That's the one that deceived the nations. In other words, people are going to go, I should have just believed what Jesus said. Okay. And thankfully, the Lord's, you know, we may get rebuked over it, but we're not going to lose our salvation over it. But yeah, we're going to look at, so you need to practice that now. Yeah. Well, now's your opportunity to do it by faith, right? Now's your opportunity to please the Lord in it. So practice it now. When, when something comes against your family, your kids, when all those things, when, when something, when the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, go, oh, no, 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 devil, we know about you. We're going to look at you at the end of this and just begin to mock him. <laughs> I'm getting a few head nods. You say mock him. Yeah. Why? Because you're seated in heavenly places far above all principality and power, all wickedness, everything like that. You're seated far above. Okay? And so... In the spirit with that authority, then we, it translates to the natural. So um, we talked about, lastly, we talked about we are the body of Christ. And we talked about how um, in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Then in 1 Corinthians six fifteen it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? And he says, Shall, shall I then take a, the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? He says, Certainly not. So we looked at all of these things. In other words, our bodies, our physical bodies are Christ's body. Did you know that? Now, what you see in it right now, we see the effects of sin in it. But what you will get when resurrection hits it, you won't be disappointed. Okay? You won't be disappointed at all um, because the Lord knows how to raise a body up and make it nice. So... He knew, once his life gets into it, you know, once, once his creation, the mechanics of what he created, has eternal life back in it. Because see, right now what you have is a body that has had sin put into it. 
I mean, even physicians and doctors, nurses, they talk about the fact that the body really is not designed to die. It's designed to live forever. So people say, well, why does it die? Well, because of sin. Okay? But you can even have first fruits right now in your physical body of resurrection power. Okay? You can have the first fruits. You can have that Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. That Spirit does what? Quickens, makes alive your mortal body. Okay? All right. So... I want to read something Brother Hagin said in this, and, and this is something that I will get to. I'll hit it now, and then I'll get to it later. We're going to go into something else, but I want to put this in. He said, it seems like it's the most difficult thing in the world for the church to stay in balance. How many of you notice that? <laughs> it is. You take any subject, including the authority of the believer, and push it to the extreme, and it becomes harmful and ceases to bless. There was a gentleman, I guess, by the name of Father Divine. Has ever, anybody ever heard of that guy? Yeah. Okay. Father Divine was once saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. He had the real thing. Then he began studying these very scriptures we have we have been studying, talking about uh, the authority of the believer. He reasoned, if we are Christ, then I am Christ. <laughs> this is how it goes. Christ is God, so I am God. This is what he believed. He founded a cult that was very popular. The people worshipped him. It's easy to get into the ditch on either side of the road, into excess, wildfire, and fanaticism. Let's go down the middle of the road and maintain balance. Amen? All right. So, and I said this uh, two weeks ago, but realize, people say, yeah, but you just said we're, we're the body of Christ. Actually, Jesus said that. The scripture says that. We are the body of Christ, but we are not the head. There's only one head. We are not, we are not, we, people say, well, I have authority over all the power of the enemy in your life, in your jurisdiction, right? Well, no, I'm going to, we're going to take over the world when Christ returns. <laughs> okay. When Christ returns, that's when he'll rule and reign. So we need to realize that, um, the way that I work, the way I, that I work at maintaining balance, this is my own words, on any subject in the scripture is by what I call, and I talked about this, the trampoline principle. Remember I talked about the trampoline. I've talked about this before. The question becomes, will that truth or doctrine bounce? How does a trampoline work? You have to have tension on all sides of that mat, right? And they, there's springs in there, right? And then you can jump on it and you bounce, right? In other words, it keeps putting you up in the air. So if in your belief system you keep falling through the trampoline, it may be because you don't have all the truth surrounding that thing. Okay? So how do you do that? All Scripture balances. All of it does. Individual subjects addressed in the Scripture balance to create a firm foundation that we are able to build our life upon. You can have this balance by studying the Scriptures that cover that subject. So you look at the context of what's being said. You're looking at the context of the belief that you're looking at. You're looking at the scriptures that cover that subject. And it begins to create and form a balance in your life. To where you, you have faith. You have a firm area where you can place your foot in acting in faith. In accordance with the grace that you see. And then you'll see manifestation. How many have ever thought you saw something but it hasn't worked? Okay, I'll just raise my hands then. 
I guess I didn't ask for raised hands. But you, you thought, so what does that mean? That means that there's lack of understanding somewhere. There's lack of, uh, of seeing and or maybe you see it all, but there's lack of doing. Okay? So there has to be that where you take time. You're a good Berean. You know, Paul, Paul acknowledged the Bereans. He said, man, those people was a noble bunch. They were something. They searched the scriptures once a year. Oh, daily. Oh, I wonder if Bible reading is important. To see, he said, to see if the things that he was preaching were what? Were so, correct? How many know the Bereans had strong faith even after Paul left? Amen? The Bereans probably didn't need to chase the next conference to try and get what they were trying to get. Amen? And I'm not against conference conferences. Okay? Um, I enjoy myself. But if we're going to be strong, we have to see it for ourselves and have that built into us. Amen? I can't believe the scriptures for you. All right. So let's, let's talk about this tonight. Breaking the power of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is, we're going to talk about exercising our authority here. Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to start in verse number 10. And I'm going to go down through 17, but I'm going to read it and then go back through. It says this, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, let's go back to verse 10. And we'll start there. He says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Um, and then I'm going to read verse 11 as well, I guess. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what we see here in verse 10 of chapter 6 is it's a transitional uh, sentence here in this chapter. It introduces us to the conclusion of the book. So if you've been reading through Ephesians 1 through 5, there's a process that takes place where Paul talks about authority. He talks about the importance of love. He talks about the importance of how we deal and how we act and what we have. There's this progression that takes place. And then he wraps it up at the end in chapter 6 on how to work. And how to, in other words, your work of faith. Okay? So you're working not for a place, but from a place. And so this, this is how you're going to break the power of the enemy from him crossing over. Really, he's, he's, he's trespassing into your world. Because you're in covenant with God and your territory now is under the authority, the jurisdiction, the covenant 
of God. Because you're no longer of the, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the, what? The son of his love, correct? It's no longer you who lives, but who? Christ who lives in you. You are now the possession, the property of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are now purchased front to back, top to bottom by Jesus and what he did on the cross. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that includes your physical body. And that includes anywhere that anything that is yours. I believe legal documents in the natural have spiritual effect. Yeah, buddy. You bet I do. Absolutely. Can I just walk into your house and rearrange the furniture? It's against the law, isn't it? (laughs) You know, people say, it's against the law to rearrange furniture? No. It's against the law for me to come into your house if you didn't ask. That's called breaking and entering, right? Okay, so are you a child of Satan? Are you in that kingdom anymore? Then he doesn't have the right to rearrange your furniture. Now, he's rearranging a lot of Christians' furniture. Why? Because they allow him to. And it's been taught that God, there's this uh, twisted version of the sovereignty of God that's been taught where we just don't know why. But, but there are scriptures that tell us why. Well, we don't want to look at those. Well, it may be a little more convenient to your flesh and your mind to a degree to be able to be a part of the gospel of no responsibility. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the gospel of no responsibility has great cost. Okay? I mean, I don't even have time to go down the line, but you understand what I'm saying. There's a great cost there. If we don't do what the Lord has asked us to do, whose fault is it if it doesn't get done? What did he say in the Old Testament? Behold, I call heaven and earth together today to witness against who? Against humanity. Heaven and earth are now witnesses against humanity. And he says, I set before you today, what? Life. And he says after that, I'm sovereign, I'll choose for you, don't bother. No. That's not what he says. He says what? He says, yeah, he even gives you the right answer, you know. It's like, A, B, pick A. Just pick A, okay? Choose what? Life. But is it God's fault if we don't choose life? Did God stop loving me because I chose death? Is God in heaven going, ha ha, you you got it now. No, he's not sadistic. He takes no pleasure in, in wrath or judgment. He doesn't. The scripture says so. So what takes place? If the scripture says to me, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I sit back and ignore that scripture and go, God, please make the devil go away. Please make the devil go away. Please make the devil go away. Is God to blame if the devil eats my lunch? See, I I got tired of it, so I started taking my lunch back. And my lunch money. You know, I I was watching uh, the first Captain America again the other night. I like Captain America, you know, because he said in that movie, there's only one God, ma'am, and that's not him. I'm like, yeah, 
<laughs> I need a shield. No, I'm just kidding. Don't buy me a shield. All right. So, <laughs> um, but he makes a statement because, you know, when he's first starting out, he's a scrawny little guy. And, you know, and then after he, he gets the injections and everything, uh, and he comes out, he's this massive ripped, you know, whatever he is, you know. And so, but in the, in the, when he's a scrawny guy, the lady asks him, um, when they're driving in the car to go get, have this experiment done on him, she says, he, he's driving down the road, and, and he's, he said, in that alley, I got beat up. On that street corner, I got beat up. And then right over there, I got beat up, you know. <laughs> he's just going down, the, and she's like, what? She goes, you got something against running? And he said, you start running, and you'll never stop. Ah, I got a revelation. I thought, I'm, I'm going back to every street corner where the enemy whipped me because I didn't know any better, and I'm picking a fight. Why? Because if it's my territory, if it's my promised land, why am I going to let the enemy live on it? Now, if it's not my area, fine. If you want the devil to run rampant through your house, go ahead. In fact, I can even pray with you and use my authority that I have in Christ with you, and you may even get some temporary relief, but if you don't exercise it, guess who's coming back? Every time. He will, because we may get in there. Come on, Jesus taught this. You go in and cast a demon out, you sweep that thing clean. He goes around and what? He's in arid places, dry places, searching for water. And then what does he do? If that apartment's not filled with something, what happens? He brings back a bunch of buddies that are worse than him, and they come and, and they, they get in. They move in. They take up rent. You see what I'm saying? We've got to exercise our faith in the name of Jesus, submit to the word of the Lord, and resist the devil. This is why clarity is so important when we understand and having knowledge of the scripture. It's so important because out of that, we have, the, we have a stable, strong, bold faith. An immovable faith. You should not be easily moved off the doctrines that are scriptural that you believe. I'm talking about scriptural ones. Now, if you have a half-cocked gun, and you come to me with the half-cocked doctrine, and I tear it apart, whose fault is that? Well, that preacher's mean. He's mean. I, I have invested a lot of time into this doctrine. And I, if, I, if I pull one string in the thing and with three or four scriptures make it fall apart, come on. I know Brother Hagin shared a story years ago about a lady who uh, was a wealthy, wealthy lady. This was during Depression times or shortly thereafter. She had servants in her house. I mean, she, didn't, she was not like, you know, had a few nice cars and a big house. She had a big house, everything really nice, and everybody, the servants and the maids, took care of everything. Okay? So she's basically living like royalty. And she was a part of this Pentecostal church. Well, she got a revelation in the altar from God, she said. She was praying. And she heard an audible voice speak to her and tell her this doctrine. Well, 
the preacher that had had Brother Hagin in hoodwinked him and invited them over to her house without telling him that she was going to bring this doctrine up because he had talked to this lady over and over, but she wouldn't listen to him. So she thought uh, she had respect for Brother Hagin, so she thought that he, she, this, or he thought that this lady would listen to Brother Hagin. So uh, they, you know, they had some stuff to eat and niceties and stuff like that. And then uh, she got to her point about this doctrine. And I don't, Brother Hagin never said what the doctrine was, so don't ask, because <laughs> I don't know. But, but uh, she starts sharing this doctrine with him, and, and he's listening, and uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And then she stops, and she says, well, what do you think? He said, um, he said well, I don't think it's scriptural. And he starts, he quotes two or three scriptures that counter what she says. And she says, but, I, but, but Brother Hagin, you don't understand. I was in the altar praying and I heard this voice say this, and I got this revelation. And he said, he looked down, and there was a, a Bible there on the coffee table. He said, there's a Bible right there. He said, I only gave you two or three scriptures. He said, I could open that Bible right there, and with a little bit of thought, I could give you 20 that counter what you say. And she looked at him, and she said, Bible or no Bible, I'm going to believe it. Well, you know what, you know what that means. I'm not going to sit and talk anymore. Why? Why? She's made up her mind. She's got a free will. She can do it. So we have to be careful with that because when it comes to these things, if we're going to be strong in what we believe, we better have the scriptures on it. And listen, if your doctrine is strong, it'll survive scrutiny. Come on. You know, I think it's funny when we get intellectuals that say, you know, they, they mock this and they think they've torn it apart. Yet it's been around for thousands of years. And they've been around for 50. This thing has survived a lot. Come on. I mean, if the devil was really that big and bad, why hasn't he gotten rid of it? Come on. <laughs> okay, so there's authority here that we have that we haven't tapped. And so exercising that, part of that is what? It's knowing uh, the scriptures, the truth, and they're built. And here's an example uh, in Ephesians 6 on what this looks like. Just a kind of a, a practical example. So we see here that verse 10 introduces us to the conclusion of the book. We now come into the life of witnessing. We are about to take up the weapons of our warfare the reasons the weapons are saved until the end of the book is because the devil hits you the hardest when you spread the gospel. How many have noticed that? Just stand on the truth that you know. See if he comes against it. Now you don't have to worry about that. The truth you're standing on is stronger. Okay? Don't fear. Don't yield to fear. Okay? The whole book has been preparing and maturing the saints to, the effect, to be effective soldiers, to stop the enemy and recover prisoners. To be effective soldiers, to stop the enemy. In other words, authority. Okay, and this is individual and corporate. It is beautiful how this book has brought the revelation all the way from one person, God the Father, through the Son and the Holy Spirit, then through all the ministry offices and into the body. Now the body can take the message out to the world and win others to the Lord. This is where we do our combat. This is where we do our combat. 
We come against the devil head on because he is blinding the minds of sinners. This is accomplished through the authority we receive in Christ and by the power that backs that authority. So, notice the fact in verse 10, we are strong in who? Some of you need to, you need to go over this scripture a hundred times a day. You just need to walk around your house and go, I'm strong in the Lord. Because the devil keeps telling you you're weak and you're repeating what he's saying. And in and of yourself, I won't argue with you. But in and of who you are in Christ, I will argue with you. And the Lord would argue with you. He would look at you if you went to him and you're praying and you're listening and you say, Lord, I just, I just, I can't do this in myself. He'd go, I know, that's why you're strong in me. So when those feelings come, you need to go, uh-uh, I'm strong in the Lord. And, and you can feel weak and you can just go, oh, that's just a feeling. I'm not depending on my feelings to determine my faith. Come on. I'm functioning out of his grace. Sometimes people say, you don't ever feel weak. I have lots of feelings I don't tell you about. <laughs> Come on. Amen. Be, you're strong in the Lord. This is important. Not in ourselves, but in him. So, talking about uh, um, this verse, strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There are two words there. Two Greek words um, in this verse. They're actually uh, uh, what, what the commentary here says, old friends by now. Power is the Greek word kratos, which means ruling power. The word might is the Greek word iskus, meaning endowed power. Ruling power, watch this now, refers here to stability in life. Being stabilized having the inner power that keeps you always upright. Ruling power is on the inside of your spirit. That ruling power was endowed to you the moment you accepted Christ as your Savior. So, what kind of power do you have in you? You have stable power. Stable power. You know what stable power is? Usable right? Unstable power is not usable, is it? You know, they've been trying to catch lightning bolts for a long time. And you know, every time they try, what happens? It fries everything they try and catch. I mean, they can catch them, but it annihilates the glove. Why? It's not stable power. But what's inside of you is stable power. Why? It's Christ's power. I'm strong in the... See that? My authority that I have over the enemy is in the... Lord. So don't get arrogant. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you should see what I can do. No, you're missing it. You're missing it. It's understanding the Lord's truths about you is humbling. Not, it doesn't create pride. It actually eliminates pride. Okay. Now it will create boldness. And sometimes people get those two things confused, but, but boldness can be humble. Boldness can be meek because you can function. You function under the understanding is I only know this because the Lord told me. I only know this. I only have understanding in this because the Holy Spirit gave it to you. I only get the opportunity to be born again. I only get the opportunity to exercise the truths that are here because the Lord has given me opportunity by His grace. 
And that should be humbling. That shouldn't be, uh, you know, in other words, when you have power and love is all, or when you have knowledge and love has surrounded that thing, there's no pride ever that's involved. It doesn't puff up. In other words, you use the knowledge not as a weapon against this person, but to strengthen this person. Does that make sense? Even, come on, think about this, even in correction and rebuke, all of it, the same. In other words, you can let the love of God come across your whole being and it'll change the way your face looks. You know, people are going for facelifts now. They just need the glory on them. They'd look fine, no matter what age they were. (laughs) Amen? Okay. This power is endowed at salvation. In exercising our authority and uh, then... We, by faith, act on the grace that was given to us, submitting to the word of God and resisting the devil. This action or doing the word or this action or acting on the word of God is what enforces the defeat of Satan in our lives here on earth. Again, this authority is not for after we die because there are no enemies in heaven. There are no need. You don't have an enemy in heaven. If there are enemies in heaven, can I ask you a question? Where is God in complete control? Where is he in complete control? He controls everything where? And that's it. Have you ever noticed that in heaven there's no earthquakes, no sickness, no death, nothing's falling apart? The Bible says the earth that that, that God God indwells or he owns and and is ruler over what? The heavens and the earth he has given unto men. Well, why is there all this mess on the earth? (laughs) We're here. (laughs) Okay. All right. So that's why people say, my life is so messed up. God, why? And he's going, because you're there. Because the enemy is working and operating, and we've been oftentimes deceived. Even though we all know how to quote, I have the anointing of Christ and I know all things. Come on. Amen? It's true. There's still more we need to know. There's still more we need to do. There's still more that we're walking into. And the greater we walk in these things and do them, the more manifestation of heaven on earth you'll see. Make sense? Okay. It's not going to just happen by accident. And we're growing. I'm thankful for it. So verse 11 says this, and we'll stop here. This will be the end of it here. Verse 11 says, he talks about this. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil. Okay. So we have authority over the enemy. So you're, you, notice there that you're, if you put on the whole armor of God, you're able to stand. You see that? He doesn't say, put on the whole armor of God, and man, I hope you make it. I'm praying for you. <laughs> Good luck. No, when you've put on the whole armor of God, what are you able to do? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, I, you know, I tried that verse and it didn't work. Okay, so let's go back and, and analyze that statement. Okay, oftentimes that's a statement that I've made out of what? Flesh and frustration, and I'm in unbelief. Because Jesus didn't say to me, put on the whole armor of God and we'll see what happens. He said what? We'll be able to what? 
Stand against the... Okay, so the whole is the complete armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles, which is strategy of the devil. This verse is in the imperative mood. I don't know what that means. I'm reading a commentary. But it makes sense once we read the rest. It is a command, so you have no option. It's a command. Put on the whole armor of God and stand. In other words, I command you. Don't you like that? I do. I'm like, whoo, yes, sir. You know, let's do this. You know, <laughs> when you got a good leader who's won the whole thing already, how many know you should go into battle with him? He's already won the whole thing. It's not like Jesus is like, okay, we have a plan. I'm not sure if it works or not, but hey, we're going to give it a go. He's already worked it. He's already finished it. It works. We just need to cooperate. So he says this. He says, uh, it's in the imperative mood. It is a command, so you have no option. Paul is at this time an ambassador in chains. As he is writing this letter, he is confined in a Roman jail with two guards outside. He could look at the soldiers and see their armor. Roman armor did not cover the whole body like that of the knights in the Dark Ages. There were specific pieces of armor. The Lord reveals to him through the Spirit the armor believers have in the spiritual realm. Paul is writing from first-hand experience. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand. The word able here is the continuous present tense, meaning we might continue to stand. In other words, I took my stand, Lord, I just don't know if I can stand it. No, 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 no. It's a continuous empowerment to stand until the day you go, I'm out of here. That's what that word means. It's a continuous thing. It's a a continuous word. Um, Stand means to hold your ground. Against what? Against the wiles, the strategies, the tactics of the devil. Paul is using military terms. This verse parallels Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. This also is a military term, meaning once you have taken the high ground, hold on to it. Think about this. Plant your flag, don't budge. High ground. Sounds like being seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus to me. That's what it sounds like. You've, Christ has taken the high ground. Now what do we do? I'm going to sit down. And then what does the enemy come with strategies? You should get out of that seat. He'll bring thoughts. He'll bring temptations. He'll bring circumstances. He'll cause things to come against you. He'll bring up your past. He'll bring up how you were treated or mistreated or not treated. All those things. He'll work through all of these different ways. That boss was mean to you. This person undercut you. That person lied about you. You thought you went into the ministry, Sean, and they lied about you. They did this to you. How can you even be in the church when there's liars in the church? I mean, Jesus had one on his own staff and a few cussers <laughs> with, and hotheads, temper, tan, I mean, tempers, man, not just tantrums, like swing a sword temper. You know what I mean? Of course he wasn't saved. So we got to give him that. Not yet anyway. <laughs> okay. But you understand what I'm saying? The enemy will come against you with all these things and we need to do what? Hold, stand fast. 
Hold your ground on the truth that you know in that word that's been given to you. Don't give in to the enemy. Well, you know, my kids are worse now than they've ever been. Oh, man, that means there's going to be that much greater of a miracle when they give their lives to the Lord. Amen? And you have to do it by faith because you don't feel it. When you go to pray for me, you're like, Lord, kill him. I mean, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that, Lord. You know, Lord, do you see how crazy Iran's being? God's in heaven biting his fingernails off right now. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, he's down. He's looking down going, is the church going to pray? And guess what? We're praying. Amen? So we need to stand our ground. Put on the armor so that once you conquer the ground, you can stay. Come on, once you're free, don't leave Freedomville. Stay. Yeah, but you'll be tempted and pushed to leave. Don't. Stay. Sorry, devil, this is where I live. He says, well, no, I have this ground, but I don't care what you had before. Leave. See what I'm saying? Hold your ground. Because the, the Lord, you don't realize it, but he told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in heaven. He chose to work through his body. If he's working in the earth, he's working through us. He's working through us, amen? He's working through us. So once you stay, this is the devil's world, but the church is conquering and occupying new ground each day. We are marching to a victory and from a victory. Jesus conquered Satan at the cross, and we are enforcing the victory after the cross. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, we ask that, um, that you continue to bring these things to our, our remembrance by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we purpose to lay hold of these things, to hold ground, Father, and to be doers of your word. We purpose, Lord, more and more, day by day, even when we yield to the flesh or the enemy dupes us on something, we'll come quickly, we'll repent, we'll let that be in the past, and we'll press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's seated deep. And Lord, we believe that we are good ground and that we will have harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.